Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. It's your host, John Scardina. I have a very special guest who's been behind the scenes this in basically this entire time. I call him Amon Joy. His name is Amon. He calls himself Amon Joy, funny enough. Uh, if you look at his email, uh, he's a really great guy. He's our producer on Disaster Tough Podcast. I think, Amon, you've been with me for how long now? A couple years, right? Yeah, a little over, over a year and a half for sure. Almost two years. Yeah. yeah. It, I think it was technically March when you started. Uh, I still landed. I was still living in California at the time. So that's three right. studios later. I think. Uh, <laughs> wow, what a what a uh, what a journey yeah. for everybody on the podcast. Amin um, came to me as a referral from uh, actually his brother, who I know from church. Funny enough, and um, we started connecting, and we kind of. Uh, have run with the races, but Amin um, has had several jobs, including a reporter helping out with the AV side, communications for local municipalities out there in Colorado. Uh, and so he was actually fairly close to think, what was it? How many months ago when there, there was a fire that got uh, fairly close to you guys? And so, yeah, the, the fires up in Boulder are, you know, within about a half hour drive from us, but the smoke was definitely visible and uh, I knew people up in that direction that were affected by it. So yeah, definitely right here in our own backyard. Right. So between all those different things, now we typically, as obviously Amon's aware, uh, we bring on other people from EM or EM related. This is kind of a fun new take for us. One, we're technically in dynamic populations this week. So this is being pre-recorded. Uh, the day before Thanksgiving, so uh, late Happy Thanksgiving for everybody who's listening. But uh, also, we wanted the opportunity to talk about communications, especially as we're getting into the winter months. Communications uh, are are hypercritical during uh, this time. Uh, Amin, give us your perspective from a communications background, from the emergencies you dealt with, from the news side. What is your take on emergency management now that you've been behind the scenes hearing about all this stuff, you know, for a year and a half? Yeah, thanks, John. One of the things that I, I hear on this podcast all the time when I'm behind the scenes and I'm definitely in agreement with is the importance of situational awareness, um, especially when it comes to communications. One of the things when I was on the reporter side of things and we would show up to an incident, whether it was a wildfire or a, you know, a crime scene type of incident, was just how aware all of the emergency responders were of what was going on, the information that they had ready for us, or if they didn't have information ready for us, they knew what we needed and they knew what we would be looking for in those types of situations. And they would be ready and able, or if not, they were ready and able to make the effort to get us the information they need or that we needed and that also that they needed to be able to do their jobs. And so I, one of the things I loved was when you were doing that podcast with Prescott, who's obviously a PIO, getting his perspective and hearing what it's like now on that side of things, because I'm not as involved on the media side anymore, but it's interesting to see what PIOs go through nowadays compared to, you know, less than a, little less than a decade ago when I was on that side of things as well. Do you think that from like the from that perspective of that relationship with PIOs and media, media always gets like this bad rap, and honestly, sometimes it's well deserved. But uh, I, I think emergency managers and/or people who interact with the media don't really do themselves any favors by automatically building up those walls. Was that your experience? Is it more complicated now than it was? Was is it better because it's more readily available? Like, what is your take on that? 
my take is, is from somebody that worked on the media side and then that now works more on the videography and production side, anybody that I put on camera or I put a microphone in front of, my philosophy is if I'm, if you're going to help me out, it's my job to make you look good and to give you the opportunity to show your competency, show your abilities. And other than that, I don't really have any other jobs other than to collect the information. You're the one that's the subject matter expert. You're the one that's going to be giving us the information. It's my job just to make sure that you look and sound coherent and competent. And so I think sometimes if somebody has felt that a member of the media made them look the opposite of that, then they will put up a wall. And I think, like you said, rightly so. But it's it's kind of a, a double-edged sword there. Uh, the media needs to do its job to, and for the most part, I think they do, to make the people that are helping them out look competent at what they're doing and look good and also make sure that they're giving out the right information. But if you, you know, if you burn that bridge, odds are it's going to be tough to rebuild it. Real quick, we're going to pause for this week's Disaster Tough endorsements. How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. The L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio solves problems and is specifically designed for emergency services. How do we know? We field tested it with medical, urban search and rescue in collapsed and confined structures. This radio is amazingly tough. Check out the L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio at L3Harris.com right now. Okay, let's jump back in. So just for everybody's situational awareness, your intentions are pretty good, right? I mean, like... If you are, if people are helping you out, you want to make them look good. I try to help you out all the time, but you're not a miracle worker. You've only done me able to do so much with me, and uh, I, I've been appreciative of uh, of that effort. <laughs> it's like, uh, but seriously, it's um, it, it's a, an inter- interesting dynamic where, like, some media definitely is like cutthroat, but I think honestly. Uh, like the pursuit of information and getting the right information. Emergency managers are learning rapidly that unless they provide that information or if they don't have it, they need to get to that information. Otherwise there's a void that needs to be filled and it will be filled without you. And we need to, we need to work on that. And so like, that's a great call out in terms, in terms of some of the emergencies that you've worked on, uh, run me through that. Like, how did that operation go from the media perspective and from and from your point of view, especially because, you know, you weren't there to essentially do emergency management tasks, right? Yeah, no, so a lot of the emergencies that I worked on, one of the things that, you know, when you show up to a scene, you usually have a little bit of information, but your job at that point is to kind of fill in the blanks. A lot of the time from a media perspective, we're especially within TV news, which I worked in in Idaho. Um, you have a police scanner, you know, in the newsroom, you have one that's kind of mobile that goes with you. So as you're, once you hear of something going on, usually yourself or your producer is making a call to whatever, you know, agency that would cover it, whether it's a sheriff's office or a fire department or something to try to get a little bit more information. But basically when you go out the door to cover it, you know, basically the what and the where and maybe a little bit about the how, but that's about it. And so as you're going along, you're listening for more of those information, you know, more of those little pieces of uh, information to fill in the blanks. And then once you get on scene, then you got to fill in everything else. 
And that's where you immediately, right away, you need to have good relationships with the people that are providing that information for you, whether it's PIOs, whether it's, you know, the officer in charge, if the PIO is not there, or the EMS worker that's in charge, if, if they don't have a PIO on scene, and you just need to ask them questions. And if they don't know the information, then you would hope that you have a good enough relationship with them, or you don't come at them in such a way that they are intimidated by you, that they are willing to at least go and get you that information. And when they have a free minute, they can come over and give it to you. So what was, what is like the standard emergency that you had to like report on? Uh, the biggest one, especially that would involve like the emergency manager side of things was usually fire related incidents. Since I was in a rural uh, setting such as southeastern Idaho, especially in the summertime, you know, it's dry. Um, you get wildfire incidents, you get house fire incidents, you get just normal brush fires, uh, controlled burns in the farm country that get out of control on occasion. Um, and then you're also dealing with the public because a lot of the time we'll get calls into the newsroom that'll say, hey, there's a fire out here on so-and-so road. And we're like, we're not hearing anything on the scanners about it. Turns out it's just a controlled burn. So sometimes you also have to make the public aware of the fact that, oh, it's just a farmer clearing out his field, getting ready for, you know, to plant the next crop. It's not an actual, you know, fire quite yet because the fire department hasn't responded to it yet. But sometimes those get out of control. And um, we would have to inform the public. We did that a couple of different times when I was a reporter, informing the public of what a difference, the difference between a controlled burn and, a, uh, and an actual fire type of incident. Uh, but we'd also have uh, crime scene type of incidents, some that got really, really crazy, even for a small town in Idaho. Um, but um, not, as, not as frequent as, say, in the big city now, here where I live near Denver, where you have major crime scene incidents every single day. But mm. um, you still had those on occasion, and you still have to show up to a scene, and you have to you know, assess the situation, and you're talking, and you're talking with EMS workers and, and responders and trying to get information from them. The other ones were weather-related incidents, um, especially being out in farm country. You're dealing with major thunderstorms, hail, tornado, microburst, um, and trying to get information on that is always a little bit more difficult because everything is so scattered about and everybody's kind of scrambling to figure out, okay, where's the damage? What's going on? Where do we need to be? So, I would just like to note how impressive it is that when I most, most of the time when I talk to people about hazards, they'll say weather or they'll say rain really what they say is rain or they say fire but what was impressive to me is i think i caught you, you named five different types of fires just by the fact that you're trying to do your job well and trying to inform other people and, and it shows that like you know sometimes we we think we have to handhold media too much and it's almost condescending right we don't necessarily have to explain this to them because if they're doing their job well, they should be able to, to take that and run with it. And it was just fun hearing you. You're like, you, when you said microburst, that was like even like the fun one for me because most people don't even use that vernacular. So like hats off to you for doing your job or maybe like, oh, oh like there was a lot of different, you know, major events that you actually had to deal with um, up there. So I didn't realize you were a reporter in Idaho. That was Southern Idaho that you were doing that? Yeah, out of, out of Idaho Falls. I went to college up there in southeastern Idaho, and that's kind of a natural track because Idaho Falls is a small market. And so usually when you're going into the media and you want to be a reporter or some type of on-air talent, you start in a small market where you can make mistakes, you can learn things. And um, Idaho Falls is kind of perfect for that. And so, um, yeah, started there at the ABC affiliate for uh, two and a half, almost three years. And then 
moved over to Colorado, kind of on a lateral move. Um, and then that's how I ended up here in Colorado once I got out of the business. So now I need to ask, this is kind of an awkward ask, but it's kind of an ask when you were a reporter back then, did you have hair? <laughs> I did, but I was starting. Uh, to... I want to see it. <laughs> you could you could type in my name on YouTube. You'll see my. You won't see my reporter reel, but you'll see my sportscaster reel from when I went onto the sports side of things. And oh, that's you'll awesome! That I, you'll see that I have hair, and uh, it's but it's already fading and it's already thinning. And eventually, my wife won that battle and asked me to shave it. Hey, so, you look. You're one of those guys that looks really good uh, with his head sha shaved. I shaved my head in college. Just said mostly out of curiosity, and I found like seriously like a six inch scar right down the center of my head, and I was like, that explains so much. I was straight up dropped as a baby, oh, and uh, now I'm a maverick because <laughs> of brain damage. But um, you know that that's awesome. I, I would love to see those. You know my ultimate. Oh my gosh, we have to pull this up. Are you gonna Don't let me pull it. up that Don't video? Do it. Oh, you know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Oh boy. So just for everybody's situational awareness, Amon has many ta talents. He's a joy to everybody. Uh, he's a reporter. He's been a reporter. He's been AV guy. He's our producer for the show. Uh, he's also a talented musician. Um, oh, my gosh. I One day you're going to let me share that video. I would love to make that music video um, our intro for this, uh, this episode, if you allow me. But, um, yeah. It's really fun to see like your creative side in that, to be honest. Um, everyone probably has a lot of question marks of what I'm talking about right now. But um, if you allow me, maybe the outro of this episode, uh, if you allow me. I love the feeling inside our home. Our happy anniversary. But e either way, it's like, you know, you have to be a creative thinker. You have to, to think outside the box. If somebody's in emergency management and they're like, okay, I need to either provide better information to the media or I'm the PIO representing, I know we had Prescott on here, but from a media perspective, what are some of the, you know, two, three things that you're like, hey, emergency managers, make sure you have this together before you go talk to the media? I think it's understanding, again, what I mentioned earlier, where it's that the media is showing up with very little info. All they know is the, the what and the how and maybe... The, and usually the where, because they're on a scene mm -hmm. somewhere, um, help them expound upon that. And then also help them to fill in maybe if there's a who, if there's a why, if there's other information that doesn't fall into that sort of who, what, where, when, why, because mm -hmm. that's how a, that's how a reporter is building their story. They're starting with the basics of who, what, where, when, why, and it's an upside down pyramid. You start with the most important information and then you go backwards down to the least important. That's how they're structuring whatever information they're going to put out on their various media outlets, whether it's TV, radio or traditional print. And mm. so know that they're coming in there with probably about 20 to 30 percent of the information that they need. And by the time that they need to send info back, whether it's for a web story or something like that, especially if it's like a traditional TV news outlet, that you need to at least help them get to a point with it where they have, you know, more than half of the information they would need to give, to get them, um, to get a story out because the most mm -hmm. important thing, especially with, um, especially TV news sites and radio news is right away is the web. Cause that's where most people is getting their mm -hmm. info right away. They're getting their breaking news alerts on their phones. They're getting all of these things. And so 
you know, a, a news outlet is not going to wait till the five, six or the 10 o'clock news to get all that info out. They're going to try to get it out on the internet first. And then what the reporter's job is going to be is outside of that information, the basic info telling more the human side. And they're going to, that way, once they have that info that they need to be able to get that story out and get the information out to the people right away, then they're going to start looking for the human side of the of the story, which is let's go talk to neighbors. Let's go talk to the people that might be affected by whatever it is that's happening right now. And then they're going to tell that human side of the story, because at this point, they already know the basic info. Interesting. Yeah, I think the uh, yeah, I think that's a really great outline. Honestly, I think there's probably a lot of people. In fact, oh, I'm going to do a shout out right now to somebody in Colorado, Denver Emergency Management, who came up to me in IAEM um, and, uh, you know, glad that she was able to connect through her challenge coin. But, you know, we Colorado has strong people. You're, you know, obviously a great talent there. We've had Metro, uh, South Metro Fire on here, the PIOs, just mentioned Denver. There's a lot of great people doing good things in Colorado. And, uh, in fact, FEMA Region 8, uh, they had some really cool flood modeling, but that's kind of off topic. But, uh, you know, Colorado-based nonetheless. Colorado is like a, an, an interesting like place because you get like the flat part, which is uh, there's a joke on um, social media that the, the Midwest should just take the flat part. And uh, like nobody wants the flat part. But the, um, the reality is like it has totally different climates, big populations, uh, lots of... Uh, you know, urban area, as well as, you know, undeveloped. And so you had to deal with all the, the complexities. It's a, it's a, it's a cool environment to look at, to be honest. Um, but that being said, what is your advice? You get to listen to uh, these episodes every week as I record with everybody. And you've been providing advice of how to do the media uh, to the listeners of the show. Your one time, you know, what advice would you give to the emergency managers? Uh, I would say just keep uh, it's a, it's a lot of probably the same, same advice that I hear a lot, a lot of other emergency managers give when you ask them this, a similar question like this, which I think applies to any profession or any job that you do, which is to keep growing and evolving, keep learning, keep getting better at what you do um, in my current capacity as more of on the videography and production side. I, I always have to keep learning what the newest sort of camera techniques are the newest cameras and, you know, equipment that's out there, you know, I'm getting more into drone work and things of that nature and uh, trying to, yeah, just get better and, and improve your skills and, and then, you know, lean in on the, the social media side of things too, because that's a whole different outlet when it comes to broadcasting information and, and especially on the video work. Um, there's so much available out there on social media and you got to kind of follow the, follow the trends and also try to, think of new ones apologies for the notification there um <clears throat> but yeah just uh trying to trying to stay current stay current is is a big thing that i think of of every single day and i think from the emergency manager side of things is um always be open to new ways to do your job stay current well as you can see with that ticker there at the bottom of the screen i don't know if you can see that ticker you know <clears throat> there's always support staff sometimes emergency managers have to think they have to do it alone and uh, a great way to get beyond that and to keep growing and, and uh, learning is a sense of gratitude. I know we're, we're past technically Thanksgiving on the podcast, but I think a message of gratitude is, is always uh, something worth noting. And I just want to know, note to you, uh, Amin, that I'm so grateful that you're working with us on our podcast and, you know, you've been helping us out. And, 
you know, it makes the production better. And there's a reason why, you know, we have thousands of people listening to the show is because of that quality and putting that together. And, uh, you know, I just want to say that on the air uh, officially, sir. Thank you for everything you do for us. Well, I'll send that compliment right back to you, John. It's uh, It's been awesome to continue to work with you during this time. And, you know, so I think some of the things you're doing are really exciting. And um, I admire the the courage you took a few years ago to to go outside of what would be the normal career path for a I think an emergency manager going away from the the FEMA the FEMA job and kind of starting your own thing and um, you know I, I relate to that because getting out of traditional media for myself on the media side of things was was scary and I didn't know what was out there for me and so I, I admire what you've done in building this company up and you know, I'm just appreciative and grateful for the opportunity to be along for the ride so I'll throw it right back at you. Well, I appreciate that. Maybe it's maybe it was good mentors. Maybe it was the scar on my head. We'll, we'll never know. But uh, either way, Amen. You know, you'll be with me on future episodes. For those who now get to see the man behind the curtain, uh, do something for us. Go on social media, Disaster Tough Podcast, and say thanks to Amen. And also find the people that are supporting you in your career and in your job that may not get a lot of uh, notoriety, but are definitely the reason why you're successful. I think it'd be a great call out, especially this time uh, of the year where people could use a compliment. And so uh, do that. Um, and thanks again for coming on the show. If you like the Disaster Tough podcast, if you got something out of this episode, make sure you give us a five-star rating and subscribe, and we'll see you for the next one. Bye.